Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Brentland69420. My rank is Subvisor 12, although with this triumph, my rank is very, very likely to be elevated. Ah, yes. This podcast will be a great success. Welcome to Fandalites, the weekly podcast where myself and Jenna talk about the Animorphs books. We read them in order and then discuss what's happening. Uh, this is episode two uh, of our hork Chronicles two-parter, um, covering the second half of the hork Chronicles. We left Aldrea and Dax as they headed down into Father Deep with a group of Yerks close behind. The Yerks are all killed or driven off by the monsters there. But Aldrea and Dak continue on until they come out the other side of the blue mist. The bottom of the valley, as it turns out, is open to the planet's core. It's also home to a species called the Arn, who have carved buildings into the sides of the canyon. The Arn are the planet's original inhabitants, and as it turns out, the creators of both the hork and the Horrors of the Deep. Aldrea and Dak convince the Arn to give them control of the Horrors in order to mount an attack on the Yerks, and Dak Me teaches the hork how to kill. They carry on a seven-month guerrilla war until the Andalites arrive, but they're too little, too late. Fighting a losing battle, Andalite War Prince Aloran orders the development of a quantum virus that will wipe out the hork species entirely. Aldrea and Dak manage to steal it, but during their heist, the Yerks stage a final assault and drive the Andalite forces off-world. The virus ends up getting released anyway. Aldrea is stuck in hork morph, and two generations later... Jerahami is telling the story to Tobias. He and Ket have named their daughter Toby, after Tobias, and she is totally a seer. Yeah. A, a triumphant ending to this book. Sort of. Sort of. Sort of triumphant. Triumphant for love, I would say, Brent? Yeah, sure, right, because Aldrea does what Tobias won't and gets stuck in Morph so she can be with her uh, true love. Uh-huh. And and Aldrea and Doc, I ship it for sure. Tobias should just should just commit. He should commit now before it's too late. And Rachel is way older than him. <laughs> I mean, it's a con- you don't have to ship it. It's canonical. Aldrea and Doc had Ciro Hemi, who was the father of Jera Hemi, that's and that's true. how yeah. they've got a lot of free Hork Bajir in that little. Um, Enclave. You yeah. mentioned dozens coming out of those caves, and I don't where where did they come from? I I assume since the Hork Bajir are definitely trained in guerrilla war, since that's what they do for the majority of the second half of this book, I assume they pass that down and have been performing like raids on Yerk controlled Hork Bajir, or do you think they've just been getting so busy? That's like more disturbing. <laughs> What that they're all of these are Doc and no, not Doc, Jamie and Jera, Jera's babies, Jera and Kat's. Well, that's not Jarrah the disturbing part so much as like what happens next, which is uh, inter intermingling. I mean, um, birth defects, I think. Oh. Well, I mean, that's assuming stuff. We like we learn in this book that. The 
Hork-Bajir are genetically engineered, so oh, that's true. They might they might be genetically engineered in such a way that that's not an issue. I guess in that case, maybe they'll all end up seers after several generations. I mean, that would really, you know, I was gonna say that would be a benefit for the Hork-Bajir, but probably the best thing for the Hork-Bajir is to be left the fuck alone. Yeah, yeah. Dak doesn't really like get depressed. Uh until he until he learns stuff yeah i mean it really seems like things start to go south for the Hork. like the horde bajir seem like they've got a pretty fucking chill life they tend the trees they hang out and eat bark and talk to other tribes and like that seems like a pretty good life yeah they just you know they be yeah. They don't even know what fighting is. No. No. They don't. They don't until Aldrea teaches them <sighs> by giving them like a rallying roar, war cry. Do what would do is, what he does? Yes, which is so <sighs> unpleasant while it's happening they just keep chanting it. Yeah, they keep chanting it and they see Doc kill one Hork-Bajir controller. And I guess the thing that I'm concerned about is how do the Hork-Bajir differentiate between who's a controller and who's just their friend, the Hork-Bajir. Are they just slaughtering each other on the on the battlegrounds? I, th- I think just whoever's facing the other direction is what happens <laughs> in that first battle. <laughs> yeah, and then once the Hork- the, the Hork- no, the Yurks have created a pool in one of their giant beautiful trees. In uh, one of their cello trees, In even. one of their beautiful speaking cello trees. And the, they- they break it so that all the Yurks are on the ground, and the hork just go to town, stomping them like grapes. And Doc didn't tell them how to do that, which means that they just made the jump to, we kill these things now, which is grim. Yeah, they didn't even know what killing was five minutes ago, and then like in the next chapter, Dak's childhood best friend, Jaggle, <sighs> which uh, is like, yeah, I'm, I'm a great Yurk killer. Yeah, and that was... That was grim. Yes, it was extremely grim. Um, I just want to vet for a second about how literally every hork name sounds like a background character <laughs> in a Star Wars film that you didn't even know that they had a name until the fucking toy came out. You've got <laughs> Mab Kahet, Ponto Fala, Jagil Hulan, Tila Fasha. These are all fucking George Lucas specials right here. I don't know why that's the unifying like linguistic character of Hork-Bajir names, but it yeah. is. Yeah, the thing, the through line through all the Hork-Bajir names is that they're all bad. They're bad alien <laughs> names. Right, right. It's funny because the, after, um, kind of towards the end where uh, Jara is telling Tobias about the, they, they had a kid named Ciro for, for Ciro, and that's not a Hork-Bajir name, and he's kind of like, yeah, yeah. Ciro, what a ridiculous name. <laughs> yeah. Not like Jerahami and Ket Halpak. <laughs> yeah, yes. And actually, since we're talking about Tobias, I thought there was an interesting through line, or there there seemed to be a parallel in this book. Not explicitly, but it seemed like they were setting up a par- parallel between the Yurks experiencing new things and then sort of rejecting their old life because in the Yurk pool, you can't see and that really blows. So fuck that. And the Tobias 
committing to hawk form because he loves flying so much. And I, and I don't really know what that means because Tobias becoming a hawk isn't enslaving another creature. Probably. No, but but it is part of the, the well, yeah, that's true. We had we had a brief discussion about this, I think, at some point about DNA and uh, instinct. Yeah, and the fact that Tobias is crushing the hawk's instinct in order to, or kind of melding with it at this point. There's a there's there's a parallel there, which, as we discover, Yerks kind of do a little too. Yeah, they seem to be sort of en- engaging with the thoughts and memories. I mean, they have to in order to infiltrate. Right, and and we you know we see the whole reason that Esplin's POV chapters exist in the story is because uh, he almost manages to successfully control Aldrea. Like he gets one little palp in and touching her brain. Um, and opens his memories up to her while he's reading hers. Yeah. Which I'm glad you pointed out, because that's, f- for a second, for maybe for longer than a second, for a while I thought that was just a huge plot hole in this book, is like, how did they know Esplin's thoughts? But yeah, you, you pointed out that that's how. It's in the book. It's right there. Yeah, and, and it isn't the, the first time, I don't think, that we've sort of seen a Yerk who's blended a little, or been affected by their host. No, and the fact that, like, the Hork-Bajir controllers, or the Hork-Bajir hosts all talk kind of, they they all use a smattering of different languages, so there's something about that that suggests that the Yerks are, even when they are outside of the host, taking away parts of their host's memories and thoughts and personalities, which I think is interesting. Which leads me, which leads me to my competing theory. I have a, a, a different theory... I don't know that it's more or less true than than the one that I put forth last episode about the viscer. Okay. Um, because like one of the very first things that happens in this half of the book when they're um, rolling in Father Deep is that uh, one of the giant like genetic mutant monstrosities there like picks up uh, Carger's host and bites the head off, and so I kind of thought, well, okay, maybe. Maybe he didn't kill Esplan. I mean, of course, maybe he did. Maybe that was actually Esplan, and it's part of his elaborate ruse. But given how Aloran's characterized in this half of the book... Like a total asshat? Like, yeah, he definitely has some fucking issues. Mm-hmm. And it almost makes me wonder if... It makes me wonder how much of the behavior of Visser Three is Esplan, and how much of it is Aloran that's bled into Esplan mm-hmm. just from having been his host for like 30 years that's a that's a great question Cause, yeah because the the vision of Alaran that we get in this book is a rough one like we we already know that andalites seem to have a cultural proclivity towards racism against other cultures that aren't andalites Alaran is definitely no different there uh, but he also points out well aldrea calls him on the fact that the reason why the andalite fleet arrived like four or five months later than they thought they would and that they didn't even have like a full fleet. It was just a few ships. Aldrea calls him out on the fact that that's because she gave the message and she's young and female. So they sort of didn't believe her, which is bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then let's also like not forget that Aloran uh, develops a biological weapon to mm. like xenocide this entire species because if 
if we can't save them, the Yerks can't have them. Yeah, and the fact that he uses a, like a quote-unquote quantum virus to target the hork raises the question of, can you just not with Yerks? Like, could you just not do that <laughs> but to Yerks? Well, he got the idea with from the Arn, I guess, because uh, they, yeah. they had the Arn develop it for him. And yeah, I guess... I guess maybe they didn't have a Yerk sample. I don't know. I Presumably, Aloran's just a huge dick. Yeah. I mean, he definitely is that, but also that might be why he went for the hork slaughter instead of the Yerk slaughter. I think it's generous. <laughs> it's generous to assume that there is some sort of scientific explanation for why he didn't target the Yerks, but it could also just be that he's just an ass and doesn't consider the hork sentient, so fuck him. I mean, since the Arn created the hork presumably like it's way faster for them to develop some sort of virus to kill them all because they've already got the entire genome map right there they they built it yeah that's true although yeah we have seen them produce some pretty amazing biological shifts on the fly because in this oh, book fuck. We, yeah we get the <laughs> the, the arn are sort of strong-armed into helping the hork gorilla fleet because they know if the hork are destroyed their planet is destroyed they they it will no longer be able to sustain them right because they won't have anybody to herd the trees right their solution is to uh, edit their own biology so that they have a weakened blood vessel in their brain so that if a yerk tries to get in there and control them they'll just die instead <laughs> which like like one that seems kind of dangerous just from an illness point of view uh, it's a bad plan it's so yeah. bad yeah and two the, the arn just presents this matter of factly like well they can't use us as host now so they'll leave us alone like that's not how it works dude yeah and both Dak and aldrea are immediately like um no what they'll just <laughs> enslave you or do some other bullshit to you do you not know how invasions work and they they did they got enslaved <laughs> yeah that's exactly what fucking happened they have to work in the yerk mines <sighs> the yerk mines so that was so silly. So it just seems like they are able to make amazing feats of biology. But yeah, maybe they just didn't have enough Yerk DNA to work with. I like your before we we recorded this, you were talking we were talking about the Arn and you characterized them as knowing biology and like nothing else. <laughs> yeah. And I really like that. Uh it's it's very much like how the Animorphs have the one tool and and try to apply it to everything. It's an entire species that they know biology, and so that nail had better have a mutable DNA sequence. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they more or less admitted themselves. They were like, yeah, our planet got destroyed, and we don't know stuff about how to build spaceships, so we just altered the total... We just terraformed our own planet again. <laughs> and that <laughs> Built an entire sentient species to sort of, you know, keep it habitable. So it's the most absurd and roundabout way of doing this. And I mean, it got the damn thing done. So, I mean, it kind of did. It really fucked them over in the end. I I have to assume that the Arn don't survive this war, but I'm who knows? They definitely don't become your controllers. So that's well, something. Yeah, that's, thank heavens for small mercies. Yeah. I really liked the Arn and the whole Arn because we the beginning of the second half, we passed through the 
Hork-Bajir homeworld area through this horrible, weird mist that's full of undescribable monsters. And then on the other side, they break through and it's like this beautiful glowing chasm where you can see the lava core of the earth and it's got like a bright blue sky and it's filled with all of these doors and these walkways i thought that was so cool like the just the image was so very alien i really appreciated that it reminded me of um and and i only half remember it but it reminded me of part of the silver chair where they're the the c.s lewis book yeah underground yeah i kind of remember that well, regardless, I thought that was a very evocative scene. Yeah, it was very cool. It definitely lent um, an alienness to the Arn that I appreciate. Yeah, because the Arn are otherwise pretty... They're pretty... They're not relaxed, but they don't seem to give a fuck that there's a, an Andalite who they've never seen a one of before and a hork in their space. Like, one of them comes over to talk to them, but the rest of them just go about their business. Like, like, Aldrea and Dak, the, this Hork-Bajir and Andalite, are just, like, in their sleeping hole. Because they have a giant hole that they sleep in. And they seem to have no defense mechanism. I guess their defense mechanism is the monsters, so if you get through that, you're fine. Which is bad. Right. It's a bad system. Most of them just ignore these two, like, aliens, and one of them comes up and is like, Hork-Bajir, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. Leave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then just tells them about how they created the Hork-Bajir. Like, real chatty. They are a very strange race. Yeah. I mean, it's no it's no wonder that they don't probably don't survive this conflict. <laughs> if they do, it's it's as minors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To let, them, let us see them biology their way out of that. I bet they could. They probably could. They, they alter their bodies so they're too weak to mine. <laughs> I... I was thinking more like they develop some sort of bacteria that eats rock and excretes the precious <laughs> minerals embedded in it. That would um, also be very good. <laughs> because then they still have to mine, but at least they're doing it in a way they're good at yeah. instead of just swinging picks. Oh, God. So this book also has, I think, two really interesting developments that more or less Espelin, one of them Espelin creates and one of them he anticipates. Uh, And they're both, like, super important for the rest of the Animorph books. One of them is that he seems to be aware that there's going to be a caste system based on host bodies. And he, like, wants... He wants the highest caste and he wants the nicest host bodies. So he's like, I've got to press now to get a really good one. Yeah, and in his mind, a really good one is Andalite. Yeah, specifically Aldrea, because he sees her riding a monster into battle and is like, that's the one. That's the one for me. She's beautiful. I must possess her. Yeah, it's a creepy. It's creepy (sighs) in the way that the Andalite or the Animorph books usually aren't in that it's really like stalkerish yeah and and at this point he doesn't even know that and he he doesn't even know that morphine technology is a thing that andalites have so he's just like andalites yeah yes that was super weird because i had just always assumed that visor 3 was super into morphing because if you can morph a bigger mouth you can put more things in that mouth and that seems to be his main goal in life (laughs) Uh, so the fact that he just likes andalites like, loves and is obsessed with Andalites, even. Yeah, yeah. It's his passion. He's yeah. very passionate about Andalites and murdering them. 
Yeah, he is super, he admires them. And that seems to be his main push for, like, that seems to be how he's getting his promotions. He just knows a lot about Andalites, even when the rest of the Yurks seem to not care, even when they should. Right, he's the only Yurk who sees an Andalite and is like, I want to crawl inside your skin and wear you as a coat. <laughs> yep, uh, yep. A- and he does. Yeah, he does, <laughs> but not with Eldrea. We actually don't see him. We know we know he ends up in Aloran, but we don't actually see him get Aloran in this book. That's true. He pulls his classic move, escape via stream, um, <laughs> which he has pulled often enough now that I think it might be his bird parachute, <laughs> where he's just like the the his former Harkbajir controller yanks him out of Aldrea's ear. Yeah. Um, while he's halfway in and throws him across the room and then the ship crashes and he just like pieces out to a river. Yeah. And then it somehow ends up in Aloran. Right. And and it seems to have a big effect on him because he is so competent in this book. And that is not the Visor 3 we all know. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. The Visor 3 we know is, is Cobra Commander. <laughs> <laughs> just aggressively incompetent yeah incredibly insane plans yeah that do not work at all in any way maybe they maybe they don't work because he's trying to anticipate what andalites will do and he just doesn't yet know somehow that the animorphs aren't andalites i mean you made a great point earlier when we were talking about this book before recording about how he seems to be really obsessed with morphing now and maybe that's why i mean wouldn't you be yeah, oh yeah, absolutely for sure. It's the yeah. coolest. Like we talked about last episode, literally everyone but Andalites, as soon as they find out about morphing, <laughs> they're like, yes, that, more of that, that sounds great. Yeah, the Andalites are just so fucking blasé about morphing. Like in this book, morphing has just been rediscovered and yes. and re- reapplied, yeah. So it... Like, Alorin gets his, uh, Aldrea gets Alorin's DNA, and Alorin doesn't even fucking notice, because he's not, he just doesn't know? Yeah, he doesn't, he just thinks he, like, got real chill for a second. Yeah, it just does not occur to him that he just had his DNA possessed, which has got to be a thing that Andalites are now, like, on the, on the up and up about. Yeah. There, I assume you don't morph other Andalites, I assume that's not an okay thing to do in Andalite society. I mean, you never know. Their whole society is apparently just real weird and racist. So maybe you're allowed to if they're like an inferior female or something. <laughs> a lower caste. Yeah, that's very yeah, possible. I don't, I don't even know, man. I don't know either. The The other really important thing that Esvalin does in this uh, the second half of this book is basically create the infiltration strategy for the Yerks. Yes. Because that's not in this one. That's not what they do. They're basically just capturing and... Uh, killing killing anyone that doesn't perform with him and capturing others to to host. And that's not what they're doing on Earth. Esplin more or less says, I've got an idea. I'm going to be a spy and not a hunter. Because they probably only learned how to be hunters from the Andalites. So now they're evolving their own techniques that work with their skills, which is spying. Right, and it's it's interesting because this is like their first foray into conquering and enslaving an entire species, and he's got Esplin does legit come up with this spy plan, and then almost immediately finds out that it's really unnecessary among the Hork Bajir <laughs> because they they 
are just kind of ignoring the fact that they're like, oh, yeah, okay, you're you're that guy. Yeah, he specifically says that one of the Horpagier saw him, saw his host get picked up and dragged away into a spaceship and then returned like a week later and everybody's just chill with it. Because yeah, they're like, Horpagier. Oh, you're back. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They don't have any frame of reference for this shit. So it's a really great test bed for their first invasion, I guess <laughs> is what I'm saying, because the populace doesn't know what the fuck. Yeah, they have absolutely, yeah, they are so not prepared for what's happening that they don't even notice. Esplan's strategy obviously ends up working extremely well on future planets, though. I mean, on Earth, they couldn't just set down. No, and, absolutely. Like, start not. taking people over. It's not, they, they have superior tech, but they'd, they'd have a fight. Yeah, I'm curious as to what the Taxon invasion was like. Because I feel like they probably, once again, tried to do the infiltration method and then discovered they didn't need to because the taxon are awful. <laughs> I I still really want to know what that whole situation is. What do the taxons get out of that? I don't... Yeah, we'll we'll just have to wait for the taxon chronicles. God, I wish. <laughs> why Why would you... Ugh, I wish. Hey, <laughs> make it happen. Make that it would happen, be, K. That K. would be amazing if K.A. returned to the Animorph universe to write the Texan Chronicles. Oh, that would be crazy insane. <laughs> I'd be so into it. Oh, man. Um, God, what else in this book? There's a lot. I know. I, I wrote down this quote specifically uh, from an Aldrea chapter. We were winning small battles. We were losing the war. And I wrote it down because it's like reading the main series and fast forward this book is. Yeah. Got this this seven month guerrilla fight where they're slowly like losing this war of attrition and like becoming more and more hardened killers. And it's like, OK, yeah, we've, we've been seeing this now for going on 20 books. And this is just that but compressed. Yeah, in fact, K.A. gives us a a three-point guide to guerrilla warfare in one of the chapters, which I'll go ahead and read for the audience just so you have this in your, oh, in yes. your minds and hearts. Please do. One, strike with the element of surprise at the enemy's weak point. Two, withdraw before the counterattack can begin. And three, use the population for support regardless of reprisals. Woof. I feel like each of those is something that Rachel has on an index card on her <laughs> vision board. <laughs> yeah, she's been reading uh, books on the Vietnam War <laughs> and uh, taking taken pointers. So that was very grim. Yeah. Um, and they do not seem to be, yeah, they seem to be making some good attacks, but like they're just, there's just no way. There's just no way. And and the the Horkbajir that are with them have just sort of settled into this. Dak seems to be the only one, and of course he's the only one that we have a POV chapter from, so we can't see what's going on in the rest of their heads. But the impression that you get is very much that the rest of the the non-seer Horkbajir are not really disturbed by this at all. They just sort of settle into well, this is how things are, and continue on. Yeah, they don't seem to have a real sense of morality. Um, which is fair. They why, why would they need one? They tend to trees and have such a chill lifestyle. Oh, I'm real jealous. <laughs> so yeah, they just they. It doesn't seem to be like a lot of Hortbajir in their army, though. I think at some point he says like at most we had nine hundred or something like that. Maybe a couple thousand. They they at no point do they have a huge number of Hortbajirs in their army. But they do right. say that the 
Yerks have captured something like 40,000 Hork-Bajir hosts. An insane amount. They've captured all those yeah. hosts. They've started, like, strip mining the place. They built the fucking blade ship and invented the Dracon beam from the Shredder and a combination of that and some other aliens' particle wave technology. They've built the bug fighters. Like, yeah. this is where it all happens. Yeah, they are making leaps and bounds forward in their war efforts. And meanwhile, the Andalites are off chasing some other sector, can't really be bothered to check on this location, even though they got a hot tip, like, with enough time to have come in and cleaned up, if they had just fucking done it. Fucking Aldrea is being attacked by a hork controller, <laughs> literally daring the message. Like, it gets shut off, and then she starts it up again. Yeah. And, I mean, like, what the fuck, Andalites? Yeah, what more could you possibly be doing? I mean, it's kind of like when Axe, because Axe sent that message off too, and there still hasn't been any Andalites showing up on Earth, but I assume that's because there's a longer distance, maybe? Z-Space hasn't shifted in their favor? Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. (laughs) We learned that about Zero Space. It reconfigures. (laughs) Which is, that's... I mean, that kind of explains their whole Z-Space experience, where it must have shifted in such a way that the Fatberg was close to the ship. Yeah, yeah, because you'd think otherwise they'd avoid traveling routes where more (laughs) related mass extrusion is known to happen. (laughs) Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, Z-Space can shift, and they they say things like, well, we'll never get a fleet here unless Z-Space shifts, and I assume it doesn't, because they don't. Yeah, they're like, we can't, it'll take a year for a fleet to get here, which, like, one, it, it took y'all seven months. Yeah. So, like, I guess that's fair, but also, obviously, that's too little too late, because in those seven months, the the Hork-Bajir army, as it is, such as it is, had, like, a 70% attrition rate. Yeah. Like, they've, they have had 70% of their, their people captured or killed. It's real bad. It's, yeah, it's very bad. Yeah, and and the the Andalites get there and don't really, they don't they can't really do much because they don't have enough ships. Right, they have like one small orbital engagement, uh, and then it turns out since the Yerks have been using that seven months to build fighters instead of like jerking around the galaxy like the Andalites, <laughs> that they don't have enough to actually fight them in orbit. So they just like hide in the Arn Canyon. Yeah, yeah, and there's not a lot else they can do, um, except, except create, genocide. Yeah, except create uh, viruses that to unleash on the world, which and it does. It does get released. Oh, by accident! It's so wild. The one of the Hork-Bajir goes through the crash of the ship that Espelin and the rest of them are on when Espelin tries to take over Aldrea and finds the canister. And then it it's open. We don't know if he opened it on accident or if it got opened during the the crash, but he's like swinging through the trees to bring it to him. And they see him get taken over by the virus, more or less. Like the virus warps him and destroys him. And they're like, fuck, <laughs> we've yeah. got to go. Yeah, it's and ugh, they were so close too. They they'd gotten it out of like where it was under guard. They were going to throw it into the core of the planet. Which is a good plan. It's a solid plan. Yeah, an excellent plan. And they'd just almost gotten there. And then the the Yerks attacked. And it's like, oh, well, that that is an unfortunate time for them to show up. 
Yeah. But that, yeah, it, it raises questions about, I mean, I guess all the hork on that planet die and the hork that survived are the ones that are your coasted and we're, we're off planet. I mean, I guess we don't know how quickly the virus moves, but presumably pretty fast. It's a genetically engineered super virus. <laughs> Aldrea mentions that it takes a while to spread between the valleys. Right. Yeah, because they're kind of isolated. Yeah, so I, I think that uh, that may be, presumably at this point, it's probably wiped out all of the hork on that world, but may- maybe not. Yeah, but there's there's a lot of, there are questions, I think this is a very satisfying read, and I think it's a really good book, uh, that does leave some questions and some gaps, like how does Esplin get into Alarin? We don't really know. And and how how do Aldrea, the now hork Aldrea, and Doc escape the virus and like how do their children get captured and things like that yeah yeah and i i think that's wonderful i like that there's like this is a little slice of story and there's obviously more story but Kay doesn't need to tell you it's just i i love it i love how she's done that yeah i think this is a really good chunk of backstory and I think it incorporates really well with what we know about the whole invasion, while also destroying everything I know about the invasion by making it just so, so much closer to the current time. Yeah, yeah. There was one really nice part. Well, actually a very grim part, but there's a part early on that I had a quote that I pulled from. Um, and since you read your quote, I'm going to read mine. It was when uh, Doc and Aldrea were talking and Aldrea was like, well, Doc knows... Doc knows violence now. Uh, and what she says is, he knows that the stars were not flowers. I thought that was really nice because the hork think that the stars in the sky are flowers that are just too far away for them to pick. And that's one of the first things he learns about the universe. But uh, Aldrea knows he can't go back from learning everything that he's learned. It's a really beautifully written sentence. It's... Yeah, I just I think the whole development of their romance was really interesting because we have moments where like in one chapter, Aldrea realizes that she's fallen in love with Dak, even though he's a different species. And she's sort of like, well, he's a different species, but it's fine. Uh, And it is fine. But if we get in the chapter right after that, Dak is talking about how he's really developing a mistrust of both her and all Andalites, a very well-deserved mistrust. Yeah, no kidding. Because Dak, Dak has the, the correct of it, is that they are either slaves to the Yurks or pawns to the Andalites. The Andalites do not really care about them. No. In fact, they are aggressively mean to the hork every time we see them interact. So um, this contrasts a little, which I, I just thought about this. This contrasts a little with how Axe talked about the takeover of the hork homeworld when he was telling the 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 animorphs about it was it axe that was telling them or or elfangor before they i think i mean axe definitely talked about it well yeah so uh i think axe is the one who said that you know they were a peaceful people and they had an andalite advisor during their attempt to fend off the invasion and like that's i guess probably what he was taught in school (sighs) yeah that is probably the andalite version of yeah of this takeover (laughs) which is i mean also kind of um it's very real yeah yeah the revised history of the hork takeover (laughs) (laughs) 
what else? Is there anything else? Oh, I wanted to mention uh, really important. This is less uh, for the audience and and more for me just making track of uh, how aliens kiss in books and media. Uh, Andalites stroke each other's faces with their hands in order to sort of express intimacy. Uh, And Hork-Bajir touch horns. And in fact, Aldrea mentioned specifically that it gave her a, a sort of tinkly feeling. So there you go. I wonder if Andalite kissing changes after the widespread adoption of morphine technology. I mean, that's a great question. I assume not since they don't fucking use morphine for anything. That's a good point. But it, I, yeah, I wonder if they experiment with kissing in other morphs. Because why not? Two hours is enough time to get down. Because they don't use other morphs for yeah. like anything. They just they don't. It's <sighs> insane. What a waste. So frustrating. Yeah, morphine was... is wasted on the Andalites. It absolutely is, and it's so frustrating. I was glad that Aldrea got a monster morph, because they, they run into these horrifying monsters and control them uh, to attack the Yerks. I assumed at first that she would not bother to acquire one, but she totally does. Yeah, it was very satisfying. Yeah, Aldrea's... Yeah, and that's a weird through line for Aldrea and Axe as well, like their willingness and commitment to morphing, even though Axe does it, I think, even less than Aldrea. Yeah, that's true. He's usually in his Andalite form when in combat. Yeah, but she is, I mean, maybe because she's a female and, and a K.A. makes a point of saying that they're smaller and their tails are, are smaller and less powerful. Or maybe just because she has the option to turn into this giant fucking genetic monstrosity. Yeah, what, like, in what not? universe? Oh my god. Is that not just what you go straight for? Right? No kidding. The, yeah, the, it, this... This book really made me reconceptualize the Andalite Yurk battle because every time we hear about how little the Andalites care about morphing, it's a shock. Yeah. And the fact that this book is like all about not morphing, <laughs> like morphing <laughs> comes up here and there, but it's just weird to see this in comparison to a normal mainstream anamorph book where they're morphing every time, whenever possible, uh, for everything possible. And, like, that makes more sense to me. But this one is just, yeah. like, morphing is so so throwaway. Uh, one one more thing I wanted to note, that uh, we've seen Visser 3 use a morph of one of the monsters from oh, Father yeah. Deep uh, in a previous book, the the Lairdafak, the huge mon- uh, monstrous mass of tentacles with a mouth in the center that can put people in the pouch and carry them. <laughs> put people in the pouch. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you caught that, because when they were listing off the names, that one was familiar to me, but I did not catch that Aloran had used that. Aloran slash Visor 3. Which I, I, I had to go I look guess, it up. I guess means that probably, I mean, Espelin must capture Aloran on this planet and must use Aloran to get that morph, probably. That's what I assume that timeline is. It could also imply that the Yerks had possession of this planet for quite a bit longer than just the events of this book. Like, the, the Andalites are pretty soundly beaten uh, when they retreat. Yeah, and the hork too. But, they, I mean, they could have their Ged hosts on this planet without issue. Right, right. So it, it, it could be that they just are still exploiting the Arn. They gotta get their raw materials for their bugfighters and dracon beams or, and everything from somewhere, right? Yeah, uh, that's true. And I, I guess I just assumed that since Aloran didn't know when he got uh, acquired by Aldrea, I just assumed he didn't have the morphing power, but he might have. He might have gotten that monster morph before getting, acqui- or getting uh, 
possessed by by Esplin. I I think, and I don't know. I be, I bet we'll find out in Visser. Mm. I suspect that that this is not where Esplin takes up in Alaran. Yeah, you don't think so? I think I think it's a little farther on. Okay. Because at the okay. end of this, he's like a he, he's like a a subvisor. Yeah. My guess is that he he doesn't acquire Alaran until several years later. Because I don't think Alaran has morphine technology. The only reason that Aldrea does is because like we oh, said last episode, right. her her mom's her buddy's mom designed it. Yeah, her friend's mom works at Nintendo. Yeah. Yes. I don't think it's had mass like rollout to the Andalite armed forces at this point. So yeah, that's I, a good I think, point. I think he probably takes off, gets it later, and then then Visser Esplin takes him over and comes back and is like, "Hey, Arn slaves, <laughs> make me one of those things." <laughs> yeah, I I can definitely see that. I mean, it seems like they'll keep the Arn around for a while. But I guess we'll we'll learn in Visor Chronicles. And so will you, the audience. Shit, I mean, I guess the Arn could be how he uh, managed to train that creature from the Rings of Saturn. Oh, that would be amazing. Uh, they're all about biology, right? So you'd just be like, yo, I need you to modify this thing. That would be great. I hope that is the case, because that's a good tieback. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Well, I think that'll do it for this week and for this book. Yeah. The Hork Pajuta Chronicles has been a hell of a ride. Hmm. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. Me too. Uh, thanks for listening. Make sure to catch up with us next week when we'll be reading book 20, The Discovery, which is the first book in the David trilogy. Woo! Yes! Yeah, which I'm very excited about. Uh, I don't remember literally anything about it. I just know it's like a big deal. I remember some stuff about it. I think I stopped reading the series not long after it, so... I don't know what that says about it, except that it, it fucked me up pretty bad. So that'll be fun. <laughs> it, it might just say that you moved into a school that no longer did the monthly scholastic book orders. Or I moved on to uh, Ray Bradbury, which is, I think, what actually happened. Ah, all right. Fair enough. <laughs> um, hit us up on, on the web on Twitter at uh, Fandalites. You can send us an email, fandalites at gmail.com. Check out our website, fandalites.com. Uh, we're on Tumblr as well. It's fandalites.tumblr.com. Yeah. Uh, thanks to Dustin O'Dell for letting us use his music for our intro and outro. You can find his stuff at dustinodell.bandcamp.com. And um, like and subscribe in the comments below. Tell your friends. It's really, really helps. Yeah. Till next time, remember, nostalgia is a drug. Nostalgia is a drug.